Hey guys, welcome back to the CC.co podcast. This is our second season of the podcast, and we're calling it Reasons I Believe, where Pastor Bob Yaglione will be presenting the evidence of 22 reasons why he absolutely positively believes in God. So without further ado, let's get into it. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Reasons I Believe podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Bob Gaglione. I'll be taking you through 2022. I'm going to give you 22 reasons why I personally believe there is a God, and not only a God, but a God that loves you and a God that you can know. So uh, every few weeks, we'll be sending out one of these podcasts, take you all the way through December. And so if you're curious, um, if you want to know who God is, if there is a God, wherever you are in life, We thank you for joining the Reasons I Believe podcast. Now, our first podcast, if you want to go backwards, uh, one of the reasons I believe is the honeybee. And some people responded that this was strange because as human beings, we love animals. I love to go to zoos. I love large animals. I've been on safari. Most people don't like insects. I have a confession to make. Um, We used to burn insects when I was a kid. That's a really bad thing, but... Most of us don't like insects, but uh, the honeybee is a marvel of design made it to the cover of Time magazine. And so go back and look at that podcast. Not only do we feature the intricacies of design, but we look at how the honeybee lends itself to the fine tuning of the universe and providing for food, not only for man, but also animals and fowls of the air, et cetera. Uh, My guest was Jeremy Hamm. He's a beekeeper, president and CEO of a bee company, and he gave us some details about honeybees that just just point to a designer, and that designer to me is God. So so in all these episodes, um, we're going to look at various things in our world. Some of them will be uh, spiritual in nature, like the Bible. I'm a Christian, so I'll point to the resurrection, Jesus Christ. But, but many of these will be somewhat different than uh, most people think they would be. My second reason for believing in God is God's hotel. And you might be wondering, what is God's hotel? God's hotel is located in San Francisco. Uh, Its real name is Laguna Honda, and it's actually the last remaining almhouse in the United States. Uh, It's a hotel dweeg, or a God's hotel. It's really... Uh, something that was created in the Middle Ages. Uh, if you don't know a lot about healthcare, hospitals really never existed in the ancient world. The Greeks had pagan temples where medical incantations were done. As time went on, the, the rich would have medical doctors. It really wasn't until after Christ where Christians banded together and there would be pandemics. And uh, in places like Greece, uh, people would flee the city because the, that's where pe- you know all the people were, and Christians would actually stay and minister to people. I looked this up in 260 AD. There was actually a pandemic that overtook uh, the Roman Empire. And Dionysius, who was then the Bishop of Alexandria, that's in northern um, Africa, he described how many of the non-Christians were just awestruck at the response of the Christians in that community. I want to quote him. He said, At the first onset of disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest. These are the non-Christians. Throwing them into the roads before they were dead and and, uh, 
treated unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread and contagion of this fatal disease. But it was Christians, he said, that went headlong, uh, not looking at the danger, took charge of the six, attending to their way, ministering to the name of Christ, and um, even as these people died, prayed with them that they would enter into eternal life. So all this comes from Matthew 25, where Jesus said that in the judgment he would ask if anyone had ever visited him when he was sick or fed him when he was hungry or uh, visited him in prison. And he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. And so Christians took that to heart. And so almshouses began in the Middle Ages, and really they were a place where where the people who had no money and really were terminally ill uh, would flee for care. So this last remaining almshouse, the Laguna Honda, situated in San Francisco, um, has some aspects of traditional care facilities, but basically this is a place where people are left to die. And the beauty of it is that people are treated as individuals, not as a diagnosis. And Victoria Sweet has written a book about God's Hotel. She's a doctor, and her subtitle is A Pilgrimage into the Heart of Medicine. She's a prize-winning historian, a Ph.D., and she writes about how she was a part of the medical system when it went from craft to profession to commodity. And I want to talk about her first autopsy, and then I'm going to bring in Dr. David Sherry, who is a doctor at CHOP Hospital. He's been a friend for a long time. And we're going to chat about a little bit about what uh, Dr. Sweet, her experience was when she attended her first autopsy. Now, she's a medical student, and she's so excited to see a body opened up and look at the human infrastructure. And the big day arrives, and she's at the pathologist's table there, and they cut open this man whose name was Mr. Baker. Now, Mrs. Sweet took care of Mr. Baker for about a month before he died. Uh, she would change his bed linen. She fed him. Uh, he told her stories. And so now she's going to look inside of this man. Very interesting situation. And she said when they cut Mr. Baker opened, she was kind of nonplussed because she said the man he, that she knew wasn't there. Uh, what was left of Mr. Baker, his organs and such, were just a discarded suit of clothes in her language. She said it was like a crash site, but there was no black box. Something was missing. I quote her. She said, much later I learned that medicine once had a name for this. This something present in the living body, but missing from the corpse. Two names, actually. There was first spiritus, from which we get the English spirit, although the Latin spiritus was not as insubstantial as spirit. Spiritus was the breath, the regular rhythmic breathing of the live body that is so shockingly absent from the dead. We use this term, someone has passed on or passed away. Spiritus is what is exhaled at the last breath. And then she found another word, anima. Usually translated soul. Now remember, these were in medical books at one time. The Latin is better for conveying the second striking distinction between Mr. Baker's dead body and Mr. Baker, its lack of movement, 
Because anima is not really the abstraction, soul. Anima is the invisible force that animates the body, that moves it. Not only willfully, but unconsciously. Those little movements that the, little, that the body makes over a long lifetime. The slight tremor of the fingers, the pounding of the heart that shakes the living frame once a second. The gentle rise and fall of the chest. These movements by which we perceive that someone is alive, right? Anima, they're animated. Ancient medicine observed is just as absent from the dead as spiritus. Miss Sweet said by the time medicine had got to her, however, words like spiritus and anima have been stricken and banished from medical vocabulary. She said, as a medical student, I had no concepts for describing what I was looking at at this autopsy. Perhaps it had been autopsy from the Greek autospasia, seeing for oneself, that brought about the disappearance of those words from the Western vocabulary. Perhaps it was the absence of that little black box. What Victoria Sweet is describing is uh, what we learn in Scripture, is that human beings made in the image of God, we aren't bodies with souls, we are souls, but we have a body. Scripture speaks about this often, that we are spirit, soul, and body, and that we are so intricately and fearfully and wonderfully made. Joining me today to talk about this is Dr. David Shari. David's a longtime friend of mine. He's Professor Emeritus at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania in downtown Philadelphia, and his expertise is pediatric rheumatology. David, thank you for joining us. I've been looking so forward to this episode. Thank you for having me. So, David, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that you have a lot of expertise in. But I have this little uh, thing I do every time I go to the doctor, whether it's a common cold or I'm going uh, to a specialist. After we get through why I'm there, I always say to the doctor, uh, with all of their training in medicine and all that they've seen in life, what they know of the human body and what they know of disease, has it made them believe more in God or less in God? So I'll start out with that question to you. To me, it believe, makes me believe much more in God. Why? The way that the body is, uh, every time we learn something about the the body, we know, we learn that it's much more complex than we had even imagined, and it just, there's more questions to ask after that. Uh, one of the specialties that, one of the areas of medicine that is uh, prominent in rheumatology is the immune system. So explain rheumatology just for all of us listening. Um, rheumatology deals with inflammation. Yeah. Room actually comes from a Greek word, which means to flow, oh. which is the flow of pus, which is not a very good image, yeah. but that's where it comes from. And so we deal with inflammation in the body. Wherever there's, uh, typically you think of inflammation of the joint and arthritis, to yeah. see a rheumatologist, but also inflammation of the blood vessels and diseases like lupus yeah. or polyarteritis, or there's a whole host of other... And, you know, in our modern-day inflammation is everybody's trying to conquer inflammation, you know? So it's it's a very interesting field. Yeah, there's inflammation involved in healing. When you cut yourself, the scar, there's inflammation, you know, in, in almost every aspect. Uh, you get braces on your teeth. It's, it's, uh, 
uh, memory wire and inflammation of the tooth pushing against the bone to remodel it so that the so, tooth will move. So give us, uh, give us something in rheumatology that the layperson just wouldn't even think about. You know, my ankle swells up or, you know, but, but give us just something from rheumatology. Well, as I said, that there's the immune system is involved. And so if you typically think about uh, when we were little, when I was little, <laughs> a long time ago, it, it was sort of like the white blood cells would, you know, kill the germs. Right. And then we learned, well, there's different kinds of white blood cells. There's T cells and there's B cells. And the, and the T cells are educated through the thymus. And then they, and most of them are called out because they attack our cells. And then the ones that, that will present, you know, proteins and antigens to the B cells to make the B cells make antibodies like you get a COVID shot. You know, well, how does that work? You know, it's through a, a very complex immune system. And then when we learn something about the immune system, we learn that there's so much more. We learn, oh, there's this new molecule, molecule called a toll. Hmm. Um, uh, and then we learned, well, there's like nine of them. And then, you know, there's complemented. There's nine of so those. So how much more do we know about the immune system than, say, 50 years ago? Um Light years more, it's incredible. And, and and there's so much we don't understand about yeah. it, even though we are light years ahead of where we were. You know, and it was only in 1949 that they discovered prednisone. You know, and everybody knows about Miracle prednisone. Drug, yeah. and, and so I took prednisone one time for poison ivy, <laughs> and I had a basketball game that night. I was in my 40s. And I'm like, my knee doesn't hurt, my ankle doesn't hurt. <laughs> then I understood why steroids. Can help athletes. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm a layman, and I read, and Bill Bryson, someone I read, but uh, Bill Bryson's not a believer, but he's written a book on the body, and, and just when you think you've been as amazed as you can, uh, Bill says it takes seven billion, 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 whatever that is, atoms to make a human being. Uh, he said those seven billion, billion, billions have an urgent desire to be you. And this is coming from a man who's going to argue for science and not God. But again, the Bible talks about how we're, you know, we every hair in our head is number. So he says these mindless particles, which you and I would say have a mind, uh, without a single thought or notion between them, somehow for the length of your existence, they will build and maintain all the countless systems and structures necessary to keep you humming to make you you, to give you form and shape and let you enjoy the rare and supremely agreeable condition known as life. And, you know, someone listening could argue and say, okay, Bill Bryson is saying that and he doesn't believe in God. But you and I are saying if we start with the premise of God, a brand new world opens, right? Exactly. Yeah. And there's two examples that I give kids when I, I – you know, I'm a pediatrician, so I, I right. interact a lot with kids. And the uh, the kids are in high school; they're learning biology, and I tell them things that their teachers never tell them that right. I think are so cool about the body that we just don't appreciate. You know, everybody heard in school that the liver cell um, it detoxifies. Right. It, yeah, it does that. But what's much cooler is that when you eat uh, a carrot or a piece of chicken. The liver is what takes all those proteins and carbohydrates and fats from your food and turns it into you. 
You know, it's so cool. Your mother used to say, don't eat so many bananas, you'll turn into a banana. You'll turn into a banana, yeah. No, you say, Mom, I got a liver. (laughs) It will turn all those bananas and turn it into me. The other thing that that people don't uh, appreciate uh, or taught in in a way that I think is really cool, and that is about, you know, uh, oxygen. You can live maybe a month without food. Maybe as long as a week without water, right. but only five minutes without oxygen. Yeah. How come? And the reason is we need two electrons, two electrons to take a chemical called ATP, ADP and, and make it to ATP. So you go from a diphosphate to a triphosphate. And it's from triphosphate, when that breaks down, that gives us energy. And if we don't have energy, we die within five minutes. And we are... We were constructed like a five-minute rechargeable battery. A <laughs> heart beats six, uh, uh, 60, 70 times a minute to pump blood. We have more blood cells than any other cell in our body to take oxygen to all the other cells. We breathe 20 times a minute to get oxygen to those red blood cells, and the exchange of oxygen across the lung is such a unique and interesting process. And then if we don't do that, in five minutes, we die. So I would love to put you in my back pocket so I can rip off those statistics because I love to hear you talk about oxygen and and all that. And I just think of, you know, God breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. The, the, the Psalms say he holds our breath in his hands. We're a breath away from from death. So 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 let let's stay on that idea. Because I read some of Victoria Sweet's uh, words like anima and spiritus, uh, this idea of breath or soul. There's there's a ghost in the machine. Uh, we can use many many terms. So so as you look at the physical body, we we could spend all day, right? We could talk about the eye. We could talk about tears. We could talk about you know, uh, uh, like I said, I, I read these crazy things of all the time that you know if, if you. Um, if you smoothed our lungs out, uh, it would cover a tennis court, uh, and the airways within them would stretch from coast to coast. The length of our blood vessels would be two and a half times around the earth, and that's not even getting in the DNA. So we know about the body. We, we spend all day. But let's talk about what's driving all this. Scientists would reduce it all to the brain, and it can't be that. A lifetime of medicine. Give us your thoughts. It, it can't all be just the brain. The one thing that also makes me take pause is the fact that every single cell in our body, our, the lung you talked about, the eye you talked about, bones, all of that originally came from one cell. It's amazing. From one cell. What one. drives that one cell wow. to differentiate? Wow. And you're what talking about it? And you're talking about like at conception. Yes. Yeah. So why is it we never go back to that? The miracle of birth. You know, like like even the abortion debate now is moving because of technology and we can see what's really going on. Why do we tend to look at a human being grown and not that that's a great point. This all started from oneself. We all have a timeline. Right. You know, you know in grade two, Mrs. Whistle was your teacher. Yeah. You know, in grade yes. you know, when when you were three years old, you moved. You right. know that you know, you were born in Sun Hospital, but you also know that if you look at that your own timeline, that started at conception. And what took that one cell to put the muscles where your muscles are, your 
ears where your ears are is is like, you know, God did it as in our womb. It's sort of, you know, directing that. And then as you advance to that timeline, finally comes to a very end. And at that end is really profoundly spiritual when you watch it. Um, and you've seen somebody die. I've seen autopsies, and everybody yeah. remembers their first dead person that right. they've seen. Like Victoria seems. Sweet, yeah. But more impressive to me is I had a patient uh, who was had terminal cancer, a young man, a, a teenager. He was do not resuscitate, and I was standing there, and we watched him die. Wow. And the intern who was with me wanted, of course, to— Code them, you know, right. do intubation. And no, there's nothing that to do. You just watched him go and turn into something that was not him. Oh, gosh. You know, who he was, his essence, oh. his spirit, his, you know, uh, it was just gone. Wow. And he was just, you know, not moving yeah. with the anima. Right. And he was not breathing. And he was, it, it just wasn't him anymore. Wow. Yeah, fascinating. Now, uh, you know, we talk about the brain, right? Like that's basically what science has uh, reduced us to. There's a great book, if you're listening out, uh, written by a woman named Sharon Dierix. Uh She's from the UK. Um, she became a PhD at Cambridge and um, decided early on that there was no compatibility between uh, science and faith and uh, later became a Christian, and she wrote a book in 2019, and I recommend for everyone, it's, it, it's not large, it's called Am I Just My Brain? And David, she talks about some of the same things we're talking about today. Why are there preferences? Why do I like vanilla? You like chocolate. What, uh, how do you explain the aroma of coffee? Right? These are simple things. And she said you know, that consciousness is simply synonymous with brain activity, just can't be proven out uh, no matter where we look. It's way more complex than that. We're not machines, right? And if we were just our brain, then why is there the difference between us and animals, right? Now, people will say the size of the brain or, you know. Yeah. And, but the difference between us and animals is so extraordinarily large gap yes. between yes. I mean you can say well the difference between you know a <laughs> giraffe and an elephant okay there's some right. or, you know a, a, a rat and a and a, a grasshopper you know we can get you know insects to mammals and all of that but when you go from even when you consider what science considers the highest mammal forms although probably the animal that has the best brain is the New Caledonian crow Wow. <laughs> you know, but you take that to man in terms of language and skills and creativity and all of that, they have none of that. Yeah, I was using the illustration one time. We were at the, um, uh, you grew up in Texas. You're familiar with this. We were at the Fort Worth Zoo. We got a tip. It was a really good zoo. And we were at the orangutan section. And uh, someone was saying that they had 98% of our DNA. And... I remember my daughter looking at me saying, Dad, I know you don't believe in evolution, but boy, they really do look like us. And that girl just said 98% of their DNA is us. And I said, yeah, the other 2% is Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. And we're going out to get a steak dinner tonight, and he's eating hay down there. So 
Right. And, and I think God, I think animals are a soulful creature. I, I, I think they have breath and anima too, but I think God gave us something to say, this is what you would look like if you weren't made in my image. Yes. Yeah. And although it depends on how you count the DNA, it's right. probably more like 68% of our DNA <laughs> yeah. in terms of the chimpanzee and all right. of that is not, is not even that close. David, you and I haven't talked about this, but uh, I'll just kind of tap you for some experience. If you're out there listening, um, one of the uh, proofs for the existence of the soul, that, that we are souls encased by a body, are near-death experiences. And uh, I've kind of dabbled in this reading for about 30 years. And, you know, most people would be skeptical, but I think there's so much written about it. Something's there. And someone I really respect, a friend of mine, Lee Strobel, who was an avowed atheist and then wrote um, a New York Times bestseller called The Case for Christ, has written a book called The Case for Heaven. And Lee documents... You know, he's a, he's an investigative reporter, worked for the Chicago Tribune, and and inv- investigates what I would call solid near death experiences. And so, if you're listening, you and you want to order that book on Amazon. There's also "You're Not Your Brain" and then Victoria Sweet's "God's Hotel." David, any experience? Anybody you know? Have you ever read in the field of near death experiences? I've had no personal experience or experience with patients yeah. that have reported that. Uh, I certainly have read, and uh, the stories that you hear are fairly compelling, much more compelling than UFO stories. Sure, yeah. And uh, a lot of people believe in UFOs. Right. But it does make you, uh, it almost makes sense, you know, because you feel like your own spirit inside you that it will go on. Right. I mean, eternity is placed in our hearts, and I think that we have that sense inside of us that we are going to be an eternal spirit. Yeah, I talked in the first podcast how I can't prove that God exists and somebody can't prove he doesn't. We're just, we're just raising the probability, and these things are pointing us. These are reasons why we believe. So if you're listening, the reason why we believe is we, we just can't look at a human being and say it's just material. Uh, we believe there is there is something that makes me, Bob Gagliano, there's something that makes you David Sherry, there's something that makes LeBron James, LeBron James. And uh, we think there's a soul. And uh, the Bible, I said I was a Christian, the Bible bears that out. Um, Jesus bears that out uh, when he says, don't fear the one who can kill the body, but the one who can deal with the soul. This day you'll be with me in paradise, he told the thief on the cross. Obviously, that thief would die and his body would go. So the Bible has a lot to say about the soul. And, David, we've been saying we believe this by faith, but you're right. When we look at the evidence, right, there there would have to be these little clues. And, you know, ghosts, right? Ghosts, like legends of ghosts. Like there's all these things that are like, oh, there's got to be something there. Yeah, and I think society on the whole is actually more appreciative of that of late, yeah. especially with COVID. I agree. Um, there's a big, there's always a movement in medicine, you know, for physiology in the body, yeah. the physical, everything is physical. And then they got more into the psychology and that, you know, uh, certainly our psyche uh, 
interact with our physical exactly. um, quite a lot. And now there's been an, uh, this more push for what they call wellness. Wellness. And so there's this big push in, in our society mindfulness. for mindfulness, yeah. wellness, which really is speaking to our spirit. Exactly. Not so much to our psyche, yeah. not to, so much to our physical, but to really our soul. Yeah, and if you're out there listening, um, you know, for those of us that are believers, we look at mindfulness and we look at wellness and we want people to eat right and have healthy hearts. And But more, boy, you're never going to have your mind right. You're never going to have peace and joy without God in your life. So guys, this is the Reasons I Believe podcast. My name is Bob Gaglione. We're trying to give you 22 reasons in 2022 to believe in God and then take that step to know him. Appreciate you joining us. Appreciate you liking us on all these different platforms, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, all these different platforms. Uh, you can go to our website at ccdelco.com. And we've given you two reasons to believe that there is a God. And join us in a few weeks. We'll give you reason number three. This is the Reasons I Believe podcast. I'm Bob Gaglian. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Our hope is for this season to sow seeds of faith to all who listen in. So we'd love for you to be sharing these episodes to whoever God puts on your heart. And if this episode ministered to you in any way, we'd love to hear from you. Get connected to us by following CC Delco on Instagram, on Facebook, and subscribing to our YouTube channel so you don't miss out on any other content coming your way. Love you guys. Until the next episode.